Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Section 2 of Diaries of Court Ladies of Old Japan This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Diaries of Court Ladies of Old Japan by Sarashina Murasaki Shikibu et al. Translated by Annie Shepliomori and Kochidoi. The Sarashina Diary, Part 2 After some days, one of my relatives sent me a romance entitled The Prince Yearning After the Buried, with the following note. The late lady had asked me to find her this romance. At that time I thought it impossible, but now, to add to my sorrow, someone has sent it to me. I answered, What reason can there be that she, strangely, should seek a romance of the buried? Buried now is the seeker, deep under the mosses. My sister's nurse said that since she had lost her, she had no reason to stay, and went back to her own home weeping. Thus death or parting separates us each from the other. Why must we part, O oh, world too sad for me? For remembrance of her, I wanted to write about her, began a letter from her nurse, but it stopped short with the words, Ink seems to have frozen up, I cannot write any more. How shall I gather memories of my sister? The stream of letters is congealed, no comfort may be found in icicles. So I wrote, and the answer was, like the comfortless plover of the beach in the sand printing characters soon to be washed away, unable to leave a more enduring trace in this fleeting world. That nurse went to see the grave and returned sobbing, saying, I seek her in the field, but she is not there, nor is she in the smoke of the cremation. Where is her last dwelling place? How can I find it? The lady who had been my stepmother heard of this and wrote, When we wander in search of her, ignorant of her last dwelling place, standing before the thought, tears must be our guide. The person who had sent the prince yearning after the buried wrote, How she must have wandered seeking the unfindable in the unfamiliar fields of bamboo grasses, vainly weeping. Reading these poems, my brother who had followed the funeral that night, composed a poem. Before my vision, the fire and smoke of burning arose and died again. To bamboo fields there is no more returning. Why seek there in vain? 
It snowed for many days, and I thought of the nun who lived in Mount Yoshino, to whom I wrote, Snow has fallen, and you cannot have even the unusual sight of men along the precipitous path of the peak of Yoshino. On the sociable month of the next year, father was looking forward with happy expectation to the night when he might expect an appointment as governor of a province. He was disappointed, and a person who might have shared our joy wrote to me, saying, I anxiously waited for the dawn with uncertain hope. The temple bell roused me from dreams, and waiting for the starlit dawn, the night, alas, was long as our one hundred autumn nights. I wrote back, long was the night, the bell called from dreams in vain, for it did not toll our realized hopes. Toward the moon-hidden days of the rice-sprout month, I went for a certain reason to a temple at Higashiyama. On the way, the nursery beds for rice plants were filled with water, and the fields were green all over with the young growing rice. It was a smile-presenting sight. It gave a feeling of loneliness to see the dark shadow of the mountain close before me. In the lovely evenings, water-rails chattered in the fields. The water-rails cackle as if they were knocking at the gate, but who would be deceived into opening the door, saying, Our friend has come along the mountain path in the dark night? As the place was near the Reizan temple, I went there to worship. Arriving so far, I was fatigued, and drank from a stone-lined well beside the mountain temple, scooping the water into the hollow of my hand. My friend said, I could never have enough of this water. Is it the first time, I asked, that you have tasted the satisfying sweetness of a mountain well drunk from the hollow of your hand? She said, It is sweeter than to drink from a shallow spring, which becomes muddy even from the drops which fall from the hand which has scooped it up. We came home from the temple in the full brightness of evening sunshine, and had a clear view of Kyoto below us. My friend, who had said that a spring becomes muddy even with drops falling into it, had to go back to the capital. I was sorry to part with her and send word the next morning. When the evening sun descends behind the mountain peak, will you forget that it is I who gaze with longing towards the place where you are? The holy voices of the priests reciting sutras in their morning service could be heard from my house and I opened the door. It was dim early dawn. Mist veiled the green forest, which was thicker and darker than in the time of flowers or red leaves. The sky seemed clouded this lovely morning. Cuckoos were singing on the nearby trees. Oh, for a friend that we might see and listen together! Oh, the beautiful dawn in the mountain village! The repeated sound of cuckoos near and far away! On that moon-hidden day, cuckoos sunk clamorously on trees towards the glen. In the royal city, poets may be awaiting you, cuckoos, yet you sing here carelessly from morning till night. One who sat near me said, Do you think that there is one person at least in the capital who is listening to cuckoos and thinking of us at this moment? And then, Many in the royal city like to gaze on the calm moon. But is there one who thinks of the deep mountain, or is reminded of us hidden here? I replied, In the dead of night, moon-gazing, the thought of the deep mountain affrighted, 
yet longings for the mountain village at all other moments filled my heart. Once, towards dawn, I heard footsteps which seemed to be those of many persons coming down the mountain. I wondered and looked out. It was a herd of deer which came close to our dwelling. They cried out. It was not pleasant to hear them nearby. It is sweet to hear the love call of a deer to its mate in autumn nights upon the distant hills. I heard that an acquaintance had come near my residence and gone back without calling on me, so I wrote, Even this wandering wind among the pines of the mountain, I've heard that it departs with murmuring sound. In the leaf-falling month, I saw the moon more than twenty days old. It was towards dawn. The mountainside was gloomy, and the sound of the waterfall was all I heard. I wish that lovers of nature may see the afterdawn waning moon in a mountain village at the close of an autumn night. I went back to Kyoto when the rice fields, which had been filled with water when I came, were dried up, the rice being harvested, the young plants in their bed of water, the plants harvested, the fields dried up, so long I remained away from home. Twas the moon hidden of the god's absent month when I went there again for temporary residence. The thick-grown leaves which had cast a dark shade were all fallen. The sight was heartfelt over all. The sweet murmuring rivulet was buried under fallen leaves, and I could see only the course of it. Even water could not live on, so lonesome is the mountain of the leaf-scattering stormy wind. I went back to Kyoto, saying that I should come again the next spring, could I live so long, and begged the nun to send word when the flowering time had come. It was past the nineteenth of the ever-growing month of the next year, but there were no tidings from her, so I wrote, No word about the blooming cherry blossoms. Has not the spring come for you yet? Or does the perfume of flowers not reach you? I made a journey and passed many a moonlit night in a house beside a bamboo wood. Wind rustled its leaves and my sleep was disturbed. Night after night the bamboo leaves sigh. My dreams are broken and a vague indefinite sadness fills my heart. In autumn I went to live elsewhere and sent a poem. I am like dew on the grass and pitiable wherever I may be but especially am I oppressed with sadness in a field with a thin growth of reeds. After that time I was somehow restless and forgot about the romances. My mind became more sober and I passed many years without doing any remarkable thing. I neglected religious services and temple observances. Those fantastic ideas of the romances, can they be realized in this world? If father could win some good position, I also might enter into a much nobler life. Such unreliable hopes then occupied my daily thoughts. At last, father was appointed governor of a province very far in the east. He said, I was always thinking that if I could win a position as governor in the neighborhood of the capital, I could take care of you to my heart's desire. I would wish to bring you down to see beautiful scenery of sea and mountain. Moreover, I wish that you could live attended beyond the possibilities of our present position. Our karma relation from our former world must have been bad. 
Now I have to go to so distant a country after waiting so long. When I brought you, you were a little child to the eastern province. Even a slight illness caused me much trouble of mind in thinking that should I die, you would wander hopeless in that far country. There were many fears in a stranger's country, and I should have lived with an easier mind had I been alone. As I was then accompanied by all my family, I could not say or do what I wanted to say or do, and I was ashamed of it. Now you are grown up, and I am not sure that I can live long. It is not so unusual a fate to be helpless in the capital, but the saddest thing of all would be to wander in the eastern province like any country woman. There are no relatives in the capital upon whom we could rely to foster you, yet I cannot refuse the appointment which has been made after such long waiting. So you must remain here, and I must depart for eternity. Oh, in what way may I provide a way for you to live in the capital decently? Night and day he lamented, saying these things and I forgot all about flowers or maple leaves, grieving sadly, and there was no help for it. He went down on the thirteenth of the seventh month, 1032. For several days before that, I could not remain still in my own room, for I thought it difficult to see him again. On that day, after restless hours, when the time for parting came, I had lifted the blind, and my eye met his, from which tears dropped down. Soon he had passed by. My eyes were dim with tears, and soon I concealed myself in bed. A man who had gone to see him off returned with a poem written on a bit of pocket paper. A message from her father. If I could do as I wish, I could acknowledge more profoundly the sorrow of departing in autumn. I could not read the poem to the end. In the happier time I had often tried to compose halting poems, but at present I had no word to say. Never begun to think in this world even for a moment from you to part, alas. No person came to my side, and I was very lonely and forlorn, musing and guessing where he would be at every moment. As I knew the road he was taking, I thought of him the more longingly and with greater heart-shrinking. Morning and evening I looked towards the skyline of the eastern mountains. In the leaf-falling month I went to the temple at Uzumaza to pass many days. We came upon two men's palanquins in the road from Ichijo, which had stopped there. They must have been waiting for someone to catch up with them. When I passed by, they sent an attendant with a message. Flower sink go, we suppose. I thought it would be awkward not to reply to such a slight matter, and answered, Thousand kinds, to be like them in the fields of autumn. I stayed in the temple for seven days, but could think of nothing but the road to the east. I prayed to the Buddha, saying, There is no way to change the present, but grant that we may meet again peacefully after this parting and I thought the Buddha would pity and grant my prayer. It was midwinter. It rained all day. In the night a cloud-turning wind blew terribly, and the sky cleared. The moon became exquisitely bright, and it was sad to see the tall reeds near the house broken and blown down by the wind. 
dead stalks of reeds must be reminded of good autumn days in midwinter depths the tempest lays them low confused and broken a messenger arrived from the east father's letter i wandered through the province going into every shinto shrine and saw a wide field with a beautiful river running through it there was a beautiful wood my first thought was of you and to make you see it and i asked the name of that grove the grove of longing after one's child was the answer i thought of the one who had first named it and was extremely sad alighting from my horse i stood there for two hours after leaving like me he must have yearned sorrowful to see the forest of longing after one's child to see that letter is a sadder thing than to have seen the forest the grove of longing after one's child left father caressed mountain hard eastern way the grove of longing after one's child hearing of it i think of the father caressed mountain towards it hard is the eastern way for a child left here alone thus i passed days in doing nothing and i began to think of going to temples making pilgrimages mother was a person of extremely antiquated mind she said oh dreadful is the hatchuset temple what should you do if you were caught by someone at the nara ascent ishiyama too sekiyama pass is very dreadful kurama-san oh dreadful to bring you there you may go there when father comes back as mother says so i can only go to kiyomiju temple my old habits of romantic indulgence were not dead yet and i could not fix my mind on religious thoughts as i ought in the equinoctial week there was a great tumult of festival so great a noise that i was even afraid of it and when i lay asleep i dreamt there was a priest within the enclosure before the altar in blue garments with loose brocade hood and brocade shoes he seemed to be the intendant of the temple you being occupied with vain thoughts are not praying for happiness in the world to come he said indignantly and went behind the curtain i awoke startled yet neither told anyone what i had dreamt nor thought about it much my mother had two one foot in diameter bronze mirrors cast and made a priest take them for us to the hatsuse temple mother told the priest to pass two or three days in the temple especially praying that a dream might be vouchsafed about the future state of this woman for that period i was made to observe religious purity the priest came back to tell the following i was reluctant to return without having even a dream and after bowing many times and performing other ceremonies i went to sleep there came out from behind the curtain a graceful holy lady in beautiful garments she taking up the offered mirrors asked me if no letters were affixed to these mirrors i answered in the most respectful manner there were no letters i was told only to offer these strange she said letters are to be added see what is mirrored in one it creates pity to look at it i saw her weep bitterly and saw appear in the mirror shadows of people rolling over in lamentation to see these shadows makes one sad 
but to see this makes one happy. And she held up the other mirror. There the misu was fresh green and many colored garments were revealed below the lower edge of it. Plum and cherry blossoms were in flower. Nightingales were singing from tree to tree. I did not even listen to his story nor question him as to how things seemed in his dream. Someone said, Pray to the heavenly, illuminating, honored goddess. And my reverent mind thought, Where is she? Is she a goddess or a Buddha? At first I said so, but afterwards grew more discreet and asked someone about her, who replied, She is a goddess and takes up her abode at Ise. The goddess is also worshipped by the provincial governor of Ki. She is worshipped at the ancestor shrine in the imperial court. I could not by any means get to Ise. How could I bow before the imperial shrine? I could never be allowed to go there. The idea flowed through my mind to pray for the heavenly light. A relative of mine became a nun and entered the Sugaku temple. In winter I sent her a poem. Even tears arise for your sake when I think of the mountain hamlet where snowstorms will be raging. Reply, I seem to have a glimpse of you coming to me through the dark wood when close overhead is summer's growth of leaves. 10.36. Father, who had gone down towards the east, came back at last. He settled down at Nishiyama, and we all went there. We were very happy. One moonbright night we talked all the night through. Such nights as this exist, as if it were for eternity, I parted from you. How sad was that autumn! At this father shed tears of happiness abundantly, and answered me with a poem. But life grows dear and is lived with rejoicing, which once was born with hate and lamentation. My joy knew no bounds when my waiting was at an end after the supposed parting for eternity, yet my father said, It is ridiculous to lead a worldly life when one is very old. I used to feel so when I saw old men, but now it is my turn to be old, so I will retire from social life. As he said it, with no lingering affection for this world, I felt quite alone. Towards the east the field stretched far and wide, and I could see clearly from Mount Hie to Mount Inari. Towards the west the pines of the forest of Narabigaoka were sounding in my ear, and up to the tableland on which our house stood the rice fields were cultivated in terraces, while from them came the sound of the bird-scaring clappers giving me a homely country sentiment. One moonlight evening I had a message from an old acquaintance who had had an opportunity to send to me, and this I sent back. None calls upon me or remembers me in my mountain village. On the reeds by the thin hedge the autumn winds are sighing. 10.37. In the tenth month we changed our abode to the capital. Mother had become a nun, and although she lived in the same house, shut herself up in a separate chamber. Father rather treated me as an independent woman than as his child. I felt helpless to see him shunning all society and living hidden in the shade. 
a person who had heard about me through a distant relative called me to her saying it would be better to be with her than passing idle lonely days my old-fashioned parents thought the court life would be very unpleasant and wanted me to pass my time at home but others said people nowadays go out as ladies-in-waiting at the court and then fortunate opportunities for marriage are naturally numerous why not try it so i was sent to the court against my will i went for one night the first time i was dressed in an eightfold tuchigi of deep and pale chrysanthemum colours and over it i wore the outer flowing robe of deep red silk as i have said before my mind was absorbed in romances and i had no important relatives from whom i could learn distinguished manners or court customs so except from the romances i could not know them i had always been in the shadow of the antiquated parents and had been accustomed not to go out but to see moon and flowers so when i left home i felt as if i were not i nor was it the real world to which i was going i started in the early morning i had often fancied in my countrified mind that i should hear more interesting things for my heart's consolation than were to be found living fixed in my parents house i felt awkward in court in everything i did and i thought it sad but there was no use in complaining i remembered with grief my nieces who had lost their mother and had been cared for by me alone even sleeping at night one on either side of me days were spent in musing with a vacant mind i felt as if someone were always spying upon me and i was embarrassed after ten days or so i got leave to go out father and mother were waiting for me with a comfortable fire in a brazier seeing me getting out of my palanquin my nieces said when you were with us people came to see us but now no one's voice is heard no one's shadow falls before the house we are very low-spirited what can you do for us who must pass days like this it was pitiful to see them cry when they said it the next morning they sat before me saying as you are here many persons are coming and going it seems livelier tears came to my eyes to think what virtue i could have that my little nieces made so much of me it would be very difficult even for a saint to dream of his prenatal life yet when i was before the altar of the kiyomiju temple in a faintly dreamy state of mind which was neither sleeping nor waking i saw a man who seemed to be the head of the temple he came out and said to me you were once a priest of this temple and you were born into a better state by virtue of the many buddhist images which you carved as a buddhist artist the buddha seventeen feet high which is enthroned in the eastern side of the temple was your work when you were in the act of covering it with gold foil you died oh undeservedly blessed i said i will finish it then the priest replied as you died another man covered it and performed the ceremony of offerings i came to myself and thought if i serve with all my heart the buddha of the kiyomiju temple by virtue of my prayers in this temple in the previous life in the finishing month i went again to the court a room was assigned for my use i went to the princess's apartment every night and lay down among unknown persons so i could not sleep at all i was bashful and timid and wept in secret in the morning i retired while it was still dark 
and passed the days in longing for a home where my old and weak parents making much of me relied upon me as if i were worthy of it i yearned for them and felt very lonely unfortunate deplorable and helpless mind that was graven into my thought and although i had to perform my duty faithfully i could not always wait upon the princess she seemed not to guess what was in my heart and attributing it only to shyness favoured me by summoning me often from among the other ladies she used to say call the younger ladies and i was dragged out in spite of myself those who were familiar with the court life seemed to be at home there but i who was not very young yet did not wish to be counted among the elderly was rather neglected and made to usher guests however i did not expect too much of court life and had no envy for those who were more graceful than i this on the contrary set me at ease and i from time to time presented myself before the princes and talked only with congenial friends about lovely things even on smile presenting interesting occasions i shrank from intruding and becoming too popular and did not go far into most things sleeping one night before the princess i was awakened by cries and fluttering noises from the waterfowl in the pond like us the waterfowl pass all the night in floating sleep they seem to be weary with shaking away the frost from their feathers my companions passed their leisure time in talking over romances with the door open which separated our rooms and they often called back one who had gone to the prince's apartment she sent word once i will go if i must intending to give herself the pleasure of coming the long leaves of the reed are easily bent so i will not forcibly persuade it but leave it to the wind in this way we passed the hours talking idly afterwards this lady separated from the court and left us she remembered that night and sent me word that moonless flowerless winter night it penetrates my thought and makes me dwell on it i wonder why it touched my heart for i also was thinking of that night in my dreams the tears of that cold night are still frozen but this i weep away secretly the princess still called my stepmother by the name of kazusa governor's lady father was displeased that that name was still used after she had become another man's wife and he made me write to her about it the name of asakura in a far-off country the court now hears it in a divine dance song my name also is still somewhere heard but not honourably one very bright night after the full moon i attended the princess to the imperial palace i remembered that the heaven-illuminating goddess was enthroned within and wanted to take an opportunity to kneel before the altar one moonbright night i went in privately for i know lady hagase who was taking care of this shrine the perpetual lights before the altar burnt dimly she grew wondrously old and holy she seemed not like a mortal but like a divine incarnation yet she spoke very gracefully the moon was very bright on the following night and the princess's ladies passed the time in talking and moon-gazing opening the doors of the fujitsubo the footsteps of the royal consort of fumitsubo going up to the king's apartment were so exquisitely graceful as to excite envy had the late queen been living she could not walk so grandly someone said i composed the poem
she is like the moon who opening the gate of heaven goes up over the clouds we being in the same heavenly palace pass the night in remembering the footfalls of the past the ladies who are charged with the duty of introducing the court nobles seem to have been fixed upon and nobody notices whether simple-hearted countrywomen like me exist or not on a very dark night in the beginning of the god's absent month when sweet-voiced reciters were to read sutras throughout the night another lady and i went out towards the entrance door of the audience room to listen to it and after talking fell asleep listening leaning when i noticed a gentleman had come to be received in audience by the princess it is awkward to run away to our apartment we will remain here let it be as it will so said my companion and i sat beside her listening he spoke gently and quietly there was nothing about him to be regretted who is the other lady he asked of my friend he said nothing rude or amorous like other men but talked delicately of the sad sweet things of the world and many a phrase of his with a strange power enticed me into conversation he wondered that there should have been in the court one who was a stranger to him and did not seem inclined to go away soon there was no starlight and a gentle shower fell in the darkness how lovely was its sound on the leaves the more deeply beautiful is the night he said the full moonlight would be too dazzling discoursing about the beauties of spring and autumn he continued although every hour has its charm pretty is the spring haze then the sky being tranquil and overcast the face of the moon is not too bright it seems to be floating on a distant river at such a time the calm spring melody of the lute is exquisite in autumn on the other hand the moon is very bright though there are mists trailing over the horizon we can see things as clearly as if they were at hand the sound of wind the voices of insects all sweet things seem to melt together when at such a time we listen to the autumnal music of the koto we forget the spring we think that is best but the winter sky frozen all over magnificently cold the snow covering the earth and its light mingling with the moonshine then the notes of the hichiriki vibrate on the air and we forget spring and autumn and he asked us which captivates your fancy on which stays your mind my companion answered in favour of autumn and i not being willing to imitate her said pale green night and flowers all melting into one in the soft haze everywhere the moon glimmering in the spring night so i replied and he after repeating my poem to himself over and over said then you give up autumn after this as long as i live such a spring night shall be for me a memento of your personality the person who favoured autumn said others seem to give their hearts to spring and i shall be alone gazing at the autumn moon he was deeply interested and being uncertain in thought said even the poets of the tanka empire could not decide which to praise most spring or autumn your decisions make me think that there must be some personal reasons when our inclination is touched or charmed our souls are imbued with the colours of the sky moon or flowers of that moment 
i desire much to know how you came to know the charms of spring and autumn the moon of a winter night is given as an instance of dreariness and as it is very cold i had never seen it intentionally when i went down to isa to be present as the messenger of the king at the ceremony of installing the virgin in charge of the shrine i wanted to come back in the early dawn so went to take leave of the princess in a moon-bright night after many days snow half shrinking to think of my journey her residence was an otherworldly place awful even to the imagination but she called me into an adequate apartment there were persons in that room who had come down in the reign of the emperor anew their aspect was very holy ancient and mystical they told of the things of long ago with tears they brought out a well-tuned four-stringed lute the music did not seem to be anything happening in this world i regretted that day should even dawn and was touched so deeply that i had almost forgotten about returning to the capital ever since then the snowy nights of winter recall that scene and i without fail gaze at the moon even though hugging the fire you will surely understand me and hereafter every dark night with gentle rain will touch my heart i feel this has not been inferior to the snowy night at the palace of the isa virgin with these words he departed and i thought he could not have known who i was in the eighth month of the next year we went again to the imperial palace and there was in the court an entertainment throughout the night i did not know that he was present at it and i passed that night in my own room when i looked out opening the sliding doors on the corridor i saw the morning moon very faint and beautiful i heard footsteps and people approached some reciting sutras one of them came to the entrance and addressed me i replied and he suddenly remembering exclaimed that night of softly falling rain i do not forget even for a moment i yearn for it as chance did not permit me many words i said what intensity of memory clings to your heart that gentle shower fell on the leaves only for a moment our hearts touched i had scarcely said so when people came up and i stole back without his answer that evening after i had gone to my room my companion came in to tell me that he had replied to my poem if there be such a tranquil night as that of the rain i should like in some way to make you listen to my lute playing all the songs i can remember i wanted to hear it and waited for the fit occasion but there was none ever End of section two.